Something's happening with us. We can't do this. I got this. You know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. The coffee's back. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot episode review. I'm Jason Pissarino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And I'm Ryan Gemmel. Ryan's back, thank God. Sorry, had to be away last <laughs> See week. See how bad we messed up without you here? <laughs> we yeah, got so been, yeah, there's many. been a lot of complaints. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to them, don't worry. <laughs> Today we're going to review episode 9, that's 2.7 in robot language, in it 5. Directed by Sam Esmail, written by Kyle Bradstreet and Lucy Teetler. IMDb gave this a 9.2. And for our viewership, episode 7 was at a 0.65, episode 8, 0.74. So we're climbing back up. Before we get into episode 9, we've been doing these couple of new segments. One of them is last episode trivia. We found out a few notes about episode 8. When Darlene tried to blackmail Susan, she made a reference to a Petraeus email scandal which refers to a 2012 scandal where retired general and former CIA director David Petraeus divulged government secrets to his biographer-slash-lover. Also, when Dom talked about the leak of Operation Bernstein as bigger than Snowden, which is a reference to Edward Snowden, former NSA contractor who leaked classified information to journalists in 2013. Um, Also, Snowden appeared in news footage in that scene. Two little things that we missed with some bigger implications. Yes. We also had some feedback about our last episode. Mm. Quite a bit. Thank you so much to everybody that wrote in. It's great when we ask questions and we get such overwhelming responses. We'll get into it further later, but just quickly to correct two of our mistakes, things that we missed. We did, in fact, miss the previously on, which was apparently huge for episode eight. Because we didn't see where they flashed back to the two guys. One of them was Angie's guy, as I'll refer to it. The FBI agent that she was on a date with that we thought was somebody new. His name might be Andre. I couldn't really find it. Anyway, she had met him before at the beginning of season two. This might be the same guy that she got up out of bed with that night to do her affirmations. So he's not totally new, although he hasn't really played a big part yet. I think that's maybe why we forgot about him. And Darlene's guy. This was our really big slip-up. The guy we see being interrogated by Dom for information is Xander Jones, played by Nick Mills. We met him in season one as a guy that Darlene slept with, a Wall Street finance guy. This may have been once or ongoing. We're not really sure. But while he was getting ready, she broke into his safe and stole the gun, which she later hid in the popcorn. So... He is most likely giving up Darlene's name, which makes right. that a huge thing. If, yeah. yeah, if he. This is yeah. what happens when I'm not involved. <laughs> it's so funny because la- the episode prior to last episode, Ryan said it's very important to watch the. Uh, yeah. Like, I did say that, didn't I? You did. You did. <laughs> you know what? The issue is. Not to make excuses. You watched them this week, though, right? Yes, we did. Yes. We, we put, we're bringing out our computers. We're like getting ready to take copious notes, 
and we're like talking to each other. All right, we got this. You're going to take this. You're going to take this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it bleeds into the previously on. Mm-hmm. And that's right. what happened to us. Yeah, I think they're both, uh, no offense, meant a little bit forgettable. They didn't play major roles. He purposely right. sort of showed them, but glossed over them. Mm-hmm. So this was a good plant for later on. So thank oh, you to perfect. everybody that caught that and wrote into us about it. For this episode, our top three questions that we're going to be reviewing. Number one, what's happening with Elliot and Robot in this episode? What is stage two, and why does Elliot forget it? And finally, what is the Washington Township plant true importance? In other words, why are they talking about it as something that could lead to another world war? It's a nuclear site. (laughs) (laughs) That is a theory that we'll talk about. Absolutely. The origin of our title. Init 5 is the normal startup level for Linux-based systems. It puts the computer in full multi-user mode with network operations and graphical user interface. The extension .fve identifies Windows BitLocker full volume encryption. It's a component of Windows operating systems beginning with Windows Vista. And for Elliot, he describes Init 5 as a return to normal, a fresh start or restored connections. Do you know what a graphical user interface is? I do not. Uh, GUI. Ah. So basically... um, GUI. GUI, exactly. Basically, I think Steve Jobs is coined to be one of the uh, first people to do it, but it wasn't him. He was actually copying someone else. Mm -hmm. Was it the Waz? No, is he... Even someone before that, yeah. I forget. But the importance is when we started integrating GUIs into computers, that's when we were able to have personal computers. Before that, it was all, actually, it's all just like what you see when Elliot is just, he has that black screen oh, with yeah. the white text and he has to just code everything. Yep. In order for you to get anything to happen, if you wanted to open, let's just put it in terms here, like open mail. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't click a mail icon. You'd have to do like open underscore Tell mail. Tell the computer you know. what to do, yeah. commands. So command prompt, that's exactly what they're called. Mm-hmm. So that's when, that was the advent of the GUI. Wow, so that changed everything. It really did. And then icons, Steve Jobs was again coined for with his uh, iOS, I mean, not iOS, <laughs> OS 9. He was way ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, with his <laughs> iOS. That's pretty amazing. And the init five thing we talked about a little bit last episode, what that could mean. We were worried that it might lead to a breakdown of Elliot's reintegration with his personalities. Mm-hmm. Would it mean the five members of F Society? Would we find out Elliot actually has five personalities? We still didn't get a definitive answer, but there's a lot of clues along the way. Yes. And I have to say, when we go off on the tangents like we did last episode and we kind of think about what it could mean mm-hmm. we know that most of the time it's not going to be right but it's right. it's part of the journey it's part of the fun of it oh yeah theory crafting oh, is the most amazing part yeah. of watching these shows that we love so and, much yeah exactly and we're hoping that the listeners are like playing in with us and talking out loud too like yeah maybe it's this this and this mm-hmm. and that's the fun part we're never going to be that we don't want to be that podcast that takes each, ourselves so seriously that we have to make sure everything we say is correct and don't the- over-theorize because it may be way off and we'll be embarrassed. No, well, we're going to have fun. Yeah, no, I like over-theorizing. It's fun. Man, I went off on a tangent in this episode. I went way deep. Uh, I'll t- I guess I'll talk about it later when, I, uh, when, the, when what triggered me 
comes up. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have a few theories throughout, but that's the point of a review podcast, right? To give opinions. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, we we're definitely not going to be right sometimes, but I love the discussion that it prompts as well, the feedback and the interaction with listeners. Oh, definitely. Okay, I have one more quick note about the episode in general, just to make mention of the fact that Esmail is yet again playing with this horror movie theme, especially mm-hmm. here. We have flickering lights, dark hallways, menacing knocks at the door. Yeah, We'll get into music. that. The music, just this generalized sense of impending doom. So New York Times talked about this a lot and definitely a thread that he follows with. Speaking of music, we have four notes for this episode. The first one was This Ain't No Hymn by Saint Savior, which plays during the flashback montage as Elliot is arrested and booked into jail. That reminded me of, uh, what's that song? Um... Safety dance? I don't know why. Like, I was listening to that song, and it would just transition into safety dance. I don't know what that is. You don't know safety dance? No. Sing it for us. It's like, uh... Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. And then it's like, like there's like a countdown, and then it's like, safety, dance. I dig it. I feel it. Well, number two song was The Order of Death by Public Image, which plays during flashback when Elliot is sentenced and then introduced to the prison. Well, maybe that was the one. I don't know. Because I thought the second one was uh, Depeche Mode. There is the next one is Depeche Mode, Walking in My Shoes. Maybe that one, the one that you just mentioned, is the one where it was Safety Dance. Mm. I'm not sure. Because there were like three songs in there. Yeah, definitely. I think one right after the next. The Depeche Mode one plays when Elliot talks to Leon and then it moves into our montage in the prison. And finally, the DDoS hacking song by our composer, Matt Quayle, plays when Angie uses the rubber ducky to hack Joe. And of course, don't forget, we have the lovely keyboard tunes of the subway guy. Oh, yeah, he was great. <laughs> he was great at, like, driving me bananas. Oh, and my goodness. Not understanding how Elliot didn't just run over and grab that keyboard and smash it. <laughs> I was wondering if he was actually there. I don't think he was. I think he was there just to distract uh, Elliot. It was pretty amazing, though, at immediately setting the stage for all that anxiety and frustration. Yeah. Yeah, it really caused a little chaos in his brain. Maybe it wasn't to distract him, though. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it was to tell him that something else was going on, because it wasn't until he heard the keyboard that he noticed that Mr. Robot was talking to Cisco in the in the train. Yeah, good point. Kind of like an alarm bell. Yeah. And Jason said it sounded like a video game. Which yeah, that mm-hmm. totally did. Contributes to that feeling of unreality, like something is not right here. Yes. All right, let's move on to my fun facts. I have a, a few doozies for you guys today. Doozy. I talked about our Twitter account last week, and this week is no different. We have a bunch of really good stories on our Twitter. If you check us out at CKC Podcast and follow us on Twitter, you'll never miss these. We have a retweeted story from InfoSec. It's about five Mr. Robot hacks that could happen in real life. So I'll give you mm. one as a little taste. The Cafe Wi-Fi hack. First episode, first season. The first time we meet Elliot, we see how his moral compass shows through his approach to security and hacking. Much like Dexter, who only murdered 
society's low lives, Elliot's hacker motivation is to go after thieves, liars, and in this case, pedophiles. He's deanimized traffic through the Tor network using the cafe's surprisingly fast Wi-Fi network, where he discovered the cafe owner's kitty porn site and stash of pictures on the dark web. The one in control of your exit nodes is the one in control of your traffic, which is me, Elliot tells the dumbstruck coffee shop owner as he gets up from the table. Police stream in to catch the pedophile after receiving an anonymous tip. So that's what happened in the show. Mm -hmm. The reality is, while the hacking itself is pretty realistic, the way the cops instantly popped into the picture is far less realistic. Just sending in a tip is unlikely to prompt a police throwdown within minutes. The lingo used during the scene is spot on, though establishing both the show and Elliot as real security experts. So Ooh. that one, you know, they don't really show a good reality, but they get a little deeper with the other ones. And the link is right on our Twitter. We also have on our Twitter feed a link to a Christian Slater interview by GQ, where they interview Christian Slater in Coney Island on the very same Wonder Wheel from the show. Nice. And of course, they eat some of the famous Nathan's hot dogs. Mm. <laughs> it's a fun read. They go into Christian's rebel days as a young actor. With stories like, he once doubled down on an IRL arrest by refusing to pull over during a police chase. Another time while he was getting arrested for assault, he got extra arrested for going for the arresting officer's gun. Oh, boy. Holy shit. Yeah. And he tried to check a bag with a loaded gun through JFK security. Oh, my God. Yeah. So these are all things. For real? Yeah. This was was pre-9-11, but still. Wow. Risky. Yeah. Uh, these are things I didn't know about him. Yeah, me either. And this, uh, it's a fun, this GQ article, the author, I should have wrote her name down. She, she makes it really fun. She doesn't take it too serious. I like it. Mm. Check that out on our Twitter. And follow us, because we do it throughout the week. We scour the internet and uh, retweet some shit. Yeah. Speaking of Christian Slater, he was on Stephen Colbert. Colbert and him did a little parody sketch where Colbert is being Elliot. Okay. <laughs> it's like 30 second skit, but it's pretty funny. Did you guys watch Stranger uh, Things? No, we still haven't. Uh, they just did that on Fallon. It was pretty funny. They had a whole mock skit of it with the actual actors. Nice. Room reveal alert. I don't know if this is true. Let us know if you guys think it is. I read that Esmel has written the script and has five seasons worth already. For something really? else? No, for this. For this. Okay, well, Robot. that makes, that wow. makes sense. Because uh, didn't we say the one of the other episodes, other casts early on that he had to come with the, to USA with the entire thing written out? Yeah, and we weren't sure if that was just season one or actually the entire story. Right. Mm. But maybe it was. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a lot of work. It's a, so it's a five-act play, right? Right, and that's how he always envisioned it. And if that was his vision in the first place, then he probably would have at least had notes and rough outlines and whatnot for an entire story. Yeah. Okay, now, my last one is a random news. Has nothing to do with Mr. Robot. Okay, fun. But my uh, geeky feelings are tingling. In 2017, Netflix is doing a talk show hosted by Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye the Science Guy! Remember his show when we were growing up? Of course I do. It's called Bill Nye Saves the World. The series will explore science and its impact on society, pop culture, and politics. Nye will tackle specific topics from a scientific point of view in each episode, while also refuting anti-scientific claims and dispelling myths, like the true cause of global warming. 
The show will include special guests along with experiments and demonstrations. Now, I know that he's going to have Neil deGrasse Tyson on there. Of course. If you listen to Neil's Star Talk radio podcast, yeah, Bill Nye is always Bill on there. Bill Nye. Mm-hmm. I love that podcast. The only thing that ruins it for me is he has about 20 ads inside of it. So I once know. they stick, they get going and you're like really intri- intrigued, they're like, uh, and now uh, we'll be right back after a commercial break. That's Can why I stopped listening. That? Yeah, but if, if there's so many of them, it gets really It takes annoying. you out of it. Yeah. All right, and now we're going to get into our synopsis of episode nine. There are 15 to 20 scenes, depending on how you look at the scene at the end where they bounce back and forth. The first one is with Elliot in the past and present. First in the past, it starts with a knock on his door. We find out that infamous knock turned out to be the police, not Tyrell. By the way, this is just one of a string of knocks at the door that we will talk about throughout this episode. Elliot is now arrested for computer hacking, computer trespass, and grand larceny in the fourth degree. His lawyer tells him to plead not guilty, but when he gets in front of the judge, he says guilty. We find out he went to prison for stealing Mr. Lenny Chanum's dog. So his therapist, Krista's ex-boyfriend, who's still mad at Elliot for all the things that he did, everybody out there who was talking about the boyfriend, it was actually true. This is why he wound up there. The dog was apparently so expensive that it made the theft a felony. I found out the dog was twelve hundred dollars. Felony? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, remember that Elliot hacked into this guy's email and social media accounts as well. Yeah. What's funny is Elliot is actually watching the judge sentence him on a closed circuit TV of the courtroom. So we have this additional interesting play on already how he's viewing the proceedings. And Mr. Robot comes on screen to tell him to stop. Not to plead guilty, but yeah. he's sentenced to 18 months in county jail, of which we find out later he actually serves 86 days. Here comes the montage of everything that happened while he was there. The guard checking him in is Ray's henchman. We find out that Ray is actually the warden. The guard that locks his cell door was his mother. Hot Carla was an inmate burning a book on the grate. Her name was still hot, Carla. Yes, it was, but she wasn't actually a woman. Right. So just a bunch of things that we were suspecting all along. I'm kind of wondering why we even got this montage, because he gave us enough of the reality of the prison in last season. Did we need all of this? Yes, and I'll tell I you why. So yeah. Two things. One, it was a really fun journey, because it was showing us like these pieces that we were thinking about. Mm-hmm. How could that work? Or that must have been. He was showing that. Yeah, it was. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, remember that? Yeah. And that's why. And that's what we said with the guard. It must have been his henchman was a guard. Right. And, and seeing it from the real point of view where uh, Ray is like outside the door. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of cool to see it from that side. And also it was Elliot explaining it to us, like opening the door, saying, you know, he was saying, let's trust each other again. Right. In the end of last episode. And after you say that to a friend or whatever, you explain everything, right? Right. So he's coming clean. Yes. That's and like what Darlene said to Angela. She's like, she's an open book. I think that's what she yeah. said. Another example. Remember, I was like, but how could there be a woman burning stuff if he's in jail? Yeah. So now we see he's a uh, transsexual. Yeah. Transgender. We see Craig sure. Ferguson again. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Robinson. And Craig Robertson. He's uh, Robinson. 
He's uh, the warden now. I mean, and everyone always wondered about what was going on with him, if what his role was, who he ex- exactly who he was. Yep. Yeah, was he warden? Was he counselor? Yeah. Right. And most importantly, I think what it's showing us is how simplified he made his life. This is the story, the simple story. And then it's put there in our eyes to contrast with as soon as he walks out, everything that starts to unravel and the simplicity goes away no more yeah well back to him in the prison for a second he also meets leon which turns out to just be a man in front of him online who starts talking to him telling him that he's already heard about elliot and his speedy 24-hour conviction he also tells him that elliot doesn't want to be alone he needs to make friends routine is key so he has to stick with it He starts talking about his routine, which is to binge watch 90s DVDs. He's watching Mad About You currently and making his way to Seinfeld next. And basically, they should just stick together and everything will be fine. He also tells Elliot he's the man that can find him anything. It's a little Paul Reiser call out again (laughs) that I love. Well, I I thought this was really important because you kind of wanted to see how they kind of hooked up. But you know for sure that... He's doing all the work, obviously, again, a plant from the Red Army or White Rose to watch over him, you know? Yeah, he, are, I he think approached it, It's him. not like they got in together. I think it wasn't a coincidence that he was obvi- in line in front of him. Oh, well, yeah, he might have even gotten arrested on purpose. Right. Oh, definitely. I mean, right away he went in on talking the same. I don't think so, though, because they talk about how he was processed in 24 hours. That would have been too hard for him to get into prison at that point. He was probably already inside. Well, maybe, but that. who knows how far this Dark Army pull extends. Right. But regardless, he was in there, and he made sure to be next to Elliot and then just start talking right away and not allowing Elliot to walk away or anything by mainly just keep talking. Yeah. And uh, especially when Elliot needed it the most. He became background noise, so I think that made Elliot less suspicious of him as well. Just these mundane Seinfeld things that he's prattling on about. There was also kind of a cool nod if you watch The Night Of. When Elliot's being booked in, the questions that he's being asked, the way the door's opening and closing. I don't know, it was just really reminiscent of some of the episodes we've seen. Of Night Of, yeah, definitely. I haven't seen that yet. Leon, right away, in disguise of all his talk about shows he was actually telling elliot what he needs to do to get better yeah routine you know everything that elliot was harping on in the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. have a routine keep it simple you know you can go to the after you can go to the meetings or you can like binge on tv basically gave him the outline of what elliot needed to do while in there yeah and that's how he got his notebook as well Yep. Do you think that's just that was just him talking, trying to get close, or do you think that's that was something that White Rose told uh, Leon to say to tell him, like to help him work with this? How much does the Dark Army know about Elliot and what he's going through? I think they know a lot, but I also think Leon was playing some of this by the seat of his pants, just feeling Elliot out and trying to watch over him. And like we said, I think he eventually wound up actually liking him. Yeah, and Leon's yeah. a smart dude. We know that it, this wasn't just by mistake. And everything he did was kind of a plan. And yes, seat of his pants plan, but a plan nonetheless. That's when Elliot tells us, that's all you missed, that's everything. He's been explaining this whole story to us. And he starts getting checked out of prison on early release. This is when we move into the present. The guard tells him that the mess with the economy is changing the prisons as well. They've never released so many nonviolent offenders before. 
which is good for Elliot. He spent 86 days in a six by nine foot box, we find out. And he goes outside to meet up with Darlene, who's picking him up. This is where he explains that Init 5 is a return to normal. It's supposed to bring color and sound, but instead the world is gray and quiet. Gray and quiet. So I know we just <laughs> talked about some of the key points, but is there anything new we learned about the prison sequence on the whole? Yeah, yeah. Just how, how he got caught, because we didn't know what he was serving time for. And then we find out that it's that Lenny Michael guy, and uh, Tom pointed that out, I think, two episodes. So back in episode seven, he was telling me about that theory that it could have been Lenny, that, that that could be the reason he's in prison. Yeah, Krista Zex, we also got a bunch of write-ins from listeners about that. So to everybody who put that theory out there, thank you very much. You were right. Much and I feel like I talked about that and said something that it would have been really quick for him to get caught for that. But yes. it ended up being really 24 hours, so... It all, it all made sense. Yes, well, the, you're definitely right. I thought it was the incident at the server room. Right. Right. Well, the 24 hours was him just saying, I'm guilty, and he was able right. to get rained. But still, they had the, you know, 24 hours is still pretty quick just to get a court hearing to say that. Oh, that's true. I also think part of that could have been what's going on with the prison systems because they are releasing so many people. It's, they have to be suffering based on that, especially privatized prisons. Yeah. Well, at the end of this scene, Darlene and Elliot actually embrace, and as they're hugging, she whispers something into his ear. Do you think that's important? I feel like uh, that's something that gets done a lot in TV, you know, to hide some information. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, I kind of felt like she was just catching him up with what was going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She w- I mean, later on, she says that she, that they need to talk about this shit. So maybe she didn't explain too much. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was some kind of secret. Maybe we'll find out later. Next, we move to a scene with Angie in the office. Your balls are showing. First, she reaches up into a bag and pulls out the rubber ducky. She then calls Joseph Green's office, and the secretary, Monica, answers. Angie says she has sensitive documents regarding the Flint water case, and because security is crazy downstairs, and she was told to deliver them directly, can Monica come downstairs? So after some hesitation, she leaves, and Angie walks in, goes straight to her computer, puts in the rubber ducky, and steals info. Now, just a quick segue here for a second, because I was a little bit confused about what she was getting with the rubber ducky. Mm-hmm. I was thinking if she has the info, then why does she have to go downstairs and pull it up separately? I think I found the answer to that. It's a little description that I found from Hackaday about a rubber ducky. They say it takes social engineering to the next level. It's hidden inside an inconspicuous thumb drive case. It's a favorite amongst hackers and IT professionals, referencing the USB rubber ducky. It has its origins in a humble IT automation proof of concept using an embedded dev board, which turned into a full-fledged keystroke injection attack platform. So nearly every computer and device takes input from humans via keyboard. Mm -hmm. And any USB device claiming to be a keyboard HID will automatically be detected and accepted. By taking advantage of this inherent trust with scripted keystrokes, traditional countermeasures can be bypassed, meaning she can get his password, correct? Right. So then she can go downstairs without having to spend a lot of time rooting around the computer. She can go downstairs and just log in from his account like she does and find the file she's looking for? 
I don't know. I still don't believe that you could get his password through that. If it was a keylogger, it should be just seeing the things that had been typed in there already. Unless there was a program on there already that was logging his key codes, it wouldn't just show any password is going to be encrypted, you know, for a computer. Well, so. they're saying that's what this rubber ducky can do, though. It can bypass that because the computer recognizes it as something that's supposed to be there. No, no, I understand. I understand that. Unless it's running some kind of uh, password cracker where it's just going through so many passwords, trying yeah. so many passwords. Yeah, but I think it is doing that. A lot of a lot of places have like restrictions on that. Like, uh, you know, at my school, uh, if you try to log on in so many times, your account gets locked out. Mm, right. Yeah. I was watching The Verge after show and they were talking about it takes 15 seconds she has to keep the usb in for 15 seconds right. and press this button mm -hmm. so it, it takes some time what i'm thinking is it takes a copy of everything and then it's able to locally within the copy of itself do the, it clones itself yeah and then do all the testing like trying to get the password i may be way off i'm guessing on this people no i mean it is what christina said i mean I mean, in the show, that's what it is. It just Practically, seems Practically, I don't think that's it works that way. Right. But, um, I mean, it works how you explained, but just not how it was perceived in the show. Well, we've also seen some less than stellar security measures, especially for a company like E Corp going on. So perhaps we're supposed to chalk it up to that. I was mad at Angie just for going back to her office and checking out these files. Yeah, on uh, her office computer. I was going right. to say that, she's too. She's done this before. She has no patience. And, yeah. you know, she's not a hacker. So kind of like props to her that she even tried this on her own. Right. But she's Cyber being sleuth. very lazy and kind of sloppy about it. Well, she gets lucky here. When Joseph comes back in, there's a very tense moment. But he mistakes her for Monica and disregards her. So either this is a temp and he doesn't actually know what she looks like. Or he just never pays attention to his no, secretary. This is another guy. This was not Joseph? No, no this was, was a guy team. he was looking for him. He's like, oh, uh, tell whatever his name is that, that I'm looking for him or to call me. Okay. Well, apparently nobody pays her any attention then because he yeah. knew her name was Monica, but <laughs> that's kind of sad. Is that awkward? There's always an awkward moment this season with Angela. Yeah. It makes me all. Yeah. She's awkward. I think that's why. She just stares. <laughs> So she finishes up and leaves and goes back downstairs to her office. This was kind of cute. She has a sign above her, uh, in her office above her desk that says risk ahead. Yeah, on the wall. She yeah. plugs in the rubber ducky, pulls up Joseph's account, hacks his password, and then finds the files. And as she starts going through them, she uncovers the Washington Township leak file. She then copies all those documents to another disk. And what was kind of cool was that there was this tense music playing the whole time, right up until the moment she unplugged the disc, yeah. and then it stopped. Very artsy. Yeah. I love it. All right, now we move to Darlene and Elliot on the subway. Hurry up. I hacked my dark arming contact, found an archive, screenshots of his IRC chats with them, something called... Stage two, it has something to do with the thumb cell. I tried to tell Trent and Mobley, but I couldn't get in touch with either of them. I called, message checked all the usual haunts. Both are AWOL. Okay, Trent's parents are a wreck. They filed a missing persons report. Between them missing and the channel archive, I'm freaking out. I think Dark Army could be cleaning house. That doesn't make sense. I think they're behind my early release. 
We need to talk to your contact. Not really on the best of terms right now. Doesn't matter. They can't do this. This wasn't part of the deal. Darlene tells Elliot she hacked her Dark Army contact and saw screams of his conversations saying something about stage two, something to do with the femme to sell. We find out it's been three weeks since our last episode because she's been trying to contact Trent and Mobley, but both have been AWOL. Trent's parents are a wreck. They filed a missing persons alert. So, Jason, this goes back to what you said about her connection to her family, and that might start to cause some problems. Yes. I don't know if there's anyone out there looking for Mobley, but they're certainly worried about Trent. Darlene's freaking out. She still thinks the DA is cleaning house. Elliot says that doesn't make any sense because he thinks they were behind his early release and she should talk to her contact. Elliot says that they have to let the DA know they can't do this. This wasn't part of the deal. So now they get to a hallway and Elliot says he needs to see her first. Darlene tries to talk him out of this saying they were just supposed to lose their tail by doing this, but Elliot insists. And it looks like they're in some kind of hospital at this point. Mm-hmm. Or like halfway home or something. For nursing home. Yeah. Nursing, well, yeah. yeah, when he walks into the yeah. room, then it kind of looks like a nursing home. But when he's in the hallway, it looks like a sort of weird hospital basement hallway. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. I don't even know how they got there. It's very cold. Well, they were saying they were, they were just going there to make it look like they were doing normal things. Right. Like in case someone was following them. That scene when Elliot is speaking to his sister in the hallway. Mm-hmm. I always point these out because they just, I love these parts. So Esmail makes it in the scene. He crops it where they're on the bottom left. Yeah. Way bottom. So you're seeing them kind of like from the chest up. And then you get all this negative space up the top and to the right. And what that does is it kind of, it makes them look small and kind of weak, maybe mm-hmm. not in control. And then art therapy side of you, Chris, mm-hmm. left side of the screen means the past. So maybe they feel this way because they're looking into their past or essentially seeing their mother, Mm -hmm. which is has this big cloud over them over the past, which is why they're doing most of this. Yeah. And Darlene doesn't go in. No. Which is telling. Right. Um, Elliot does. He enters this small sort of room and he starts talking to his mother, telling her that it's been a while and confessing he's been having a hard time. He thanks her, saying, you helped me survive these last couple months. I couldn't have done it without you. Do you find this strange since it's actually his father that's been coming up in these visions and helping him through these circumstances? And, you know, we haven't really gotten a very strong look at his mother at all. Well, he was seeing her the whole time. She was his caretaker almost or watching over him in his pretend reality yeah the guard that was closing his cell but that's kind of a loose shallow association compared to how he's been seeing his father but he can't go tell his father how how much he's been helping him or whatever this scene is where i went off on this huge tangent of in my own mind about how maybe elliot doesn't exist okay mr robot is actually alive. He pushed Elliot out of the window and Elliot died. And then Mr. Robot got turned into the multiple, having multiple personalities. And he took his son's personality, which drove his mother insane. And now she won't talk to them. And that's actually Mr. Robot talking to his wife there as their dead son that he pushed out the window. 
Whoa. I can what, actually <laughs> kind of see that. I, I love that, Ryan, because you know how we've been thrown off with that, that scene where they talk about the past where Elliot got in trouble mm-hmm. and his father picked him up and he drives him to the store mm-hmm. and he's like, you get to choose the name. That kind of makes more sense because that was like, oh, he's so nice to him. And right. So, wow. Oh, my God. Let's just sit so, on that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I thought of that, and then I was, and then I mean, it seems way too far fetched. I kind of dig it. I gotta tell I li- you, I, I like the idea of it, but then you you know that he's got all these personal relationships going on. Mm-hmm. Although I even thought about that with Angie uh, or Angela because she's into older guys. Oh, yeah. yeah, the only part of that that doesn't make sense is Darlene outright tells him last season, did you forget again that I'm your sister? Could have switched Evil Corp with E Corp to sister, daughter. Well, I was thinking maybe because she's grown up with him acting as Elliot, that she's, you know, she's kind of acquiesced. acquiesced. Yeah, I don't to... think it would go that far in that right. moment, though. But something else is definitely going on. I mean, we see repeatedly in this episode... Elliot and Mr. Robot sort of short-circuiting. And Elliot's almost shut out of the moments that Mr. Robot is taking place in, Mm -hmm. which is not so unusual because prior to this, he would black out and lose time when Mr. Robot started to take over. But they've been working together now, and they're both feeling that, almost Mm -hmm. like this overheating, this meltdown approaching. I think, I don't know, I think that Mr. Robot is fucking with Elliot and he's trying to take control over, and it's a lot easier if Elliot has his guard down. So he told him about Tyrell. That opens him up to now we're being honest with each other. Now he like broke down and embraced him. The more comfortable he is with sharing this time over his body, the more open he is to being taken over by you know full control. I considered something like that, but if you think about this in terms of actual mental health. So Mr. Robot is not some separate entity that's right. possessing Elliot. This is Maybe a, he is. <laughs> this is a part of his mind that has split off that he's used to serve a purpose. But when things start to fragment, so say you're beginning to undergo some type of psychotic episode, which can typically happen at about the age that Elliot is right now, and your mind starts to break off and fragment into different pieces. Multiple personalities is part of this, but you also experience other things sometimes, hallucinations, delusions. Now, we get a glimpse of Elliot's mom here in this hospital. We don't know what she's there for. She's sitting almost catatonic, looking out the window the whole time and not talking to him. So it's been suggested that Elliot's mental health issue could have a genetic component to it Mm. that maybe his mother struggles with. And perhaps the in it five thing is true. And we're headed for kind of a bigger breakdown with Elliot very shortly. It looks like something's breaking down. That's what happened in Wilfred. Uh, did you guys watch that at all? I well, love that show. Only the first two seasons. Yeah, I didn't oh. see it. Well, did you get up to the part where he visits his mom and his mom sees a cat who's like Lily Tomlin? No. So, like, she sees uh, she's a little out there also. Uh, can I say, and I don't want any backlash, I love this show. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> Mother, the mom kind of looks like a young woman in old woman makeup. Yeah, I also thought that was very bizarre and I think has to be on purpose. 
they don't just miss something like that or skimp out when it comes to altering that. There's yeah. something else going on there that we don't know about. You think so? I don't yeah. know. I think that was just, I don't know. I because would push they legit around. closed up on her face. Yeah. And it was really super obvious. Maybe Elliot's mom is Elliot. And Ooh. Elliot is Elliot's dad. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. It never ends. <laughs> Maybe everyone is Elliot. Yeah, let's. Elliot is no one. Stop that train in its tracks <laughs> and move forward because we have a lot more yes, scenes to review sorry. here. We got to kind of start getting through it. So now we go over to a big scene with White Rose at the cemetery where he's putting flowers on a grave. She's. Yes, she's a she in the moment. And the man she's with tells her they'll be late when the timer goes off, but she tells him it's important. So kind of a big move for her to stop for this moment. Um, she asks if he knows who it is that's buried there, and he answers the previous CEO of E Corp, who served from 1986 until his death in 1995 when he died in a plane crash. Um, this man's name was Lester Moore. And White Rose says that in the wake of a scandal, he was going to shut down her project. But he's where he should be now, and her project is still alive. And then she proceeds to squat and piss on the grave. <sighs> this scene told me a Turn lot. Turn the on. <laughs> well, I have to say, this scene told me a lot. Because yeah. it says that she's been behind the scenes of E-Corp politics for a while now. Uh, whatever this project was, if it's the same one that she still has related to the Washington Township plant and everything that's been going on in the wake of the 5-9 hack, it could have been the same thing that she was trying to put in motion back then. And this guy wasn't hearing of it. So could she even possibly have been in part behind his death in some way? I would think they were implying that very heavily. Mm-hmm. B.D. Wong said, that is my national urination debut. <laughs> nice. He said that in an interview. It was pretty funny. I mean, it did look like that. I was like, oh, he's going he's gonna to go that way, huh? And then I, was, I saw his hand move down, and I was like, oh, so he's just pushing it out the back there. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I had a full mental image of that. <laughs> Actually, in this inter interview, and I won't go too long, B.D. Wong is awesome, by the way. He was saying that... When he initially was asked to do this, uh, he was a little hesitant to be a cross-dresser mm -hmm. who, you know, is a woman or a man that pretends to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And when he went and spoke to Sam Esmail, Esmail said, no, no, he's a woman that's pretending to be a man. A woman trapped in a man's body. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to the powers that be, he's a man, but in re reality, he's a woman. Yeah. And that really uh, sparked his interest because it's a different kind of twist to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was, he was so cool. He was like uh, down to earth. I didn't know he's actually gay in real life. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know until you told me. And the only thing that told me was he was saying that oftentimes with directors or writers, when they want someone to play a part of a gay man, he finds it uh, oftentimes when it's a straight man telling you how to be a gay man. He has to educate them on what mm. it really should be like. Yeah. It was cool. So they kind of laid it out for him how to play this character. And I think he's done a really great job with it. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll go back to them in a minute. For now, we cut over to Cisco's room where Elliot says Init 5 is supposed to be simple. A fresh start and restored connections. This may be my first real moment of normalcy, taking a piss in private. So we've cut right over to him in the bathroom. Not a pissing. And what's interesting here is that he starts to hear Cisco yelling outside. 
and Darlene saying that she she hit him in the face because she's not letting this go. Basically, why did he send pictures of her and he's not telling her about stage two, what they did with the femme to sell. We were kind of right about that, that she wasn't looking to kill him. She was just angry and needed to get to the bottom of it. But then Elliot hears Mr. Robot yell at both of them to calm down. And it's sort of this holy shit moment. Yes, for, for us, us too. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He opens the door and he's watching this happen while Darlene and Cisco watch Robot. And the screen shakes and it's sort of the faces transpose back and forth until finally Elliot is standing in front of the two of them. And they say, I thought you wanted to find Mobley and Trenton. Like, Hello, come back to Earth. What were you thinking in this moment? I was like, oh my God, now we have a new issue. And Sam found a way to reinvent this is- this uh, tumultuous uh, relationship between Mr. Robot and Elliot mm-hmm. and make it interesting again mm-hmm. for the third time. And it, I was just blown away. Well, and I think that what Robot says here is key, right? He asks yeah. Elliot what's up. And Robot says, you know, all of a sudden you just shut down and stopped responding and I had to do something. Yes. I had to say I something. Well, if you look at it from Elliot's point of view, he is in here just doing something sort of mundane while the action takes place around him. Mm-hmm. And there's been some questions brought up. Is there a third personality existing in there? And when the two of them are shorting out, that's because this other personality is trying to take over. Hmm. And it seems like neither Elliot nor Mr. Robot know about stage two which doesn't really make any sense. One of them must know about it. So either one of them's lying or there's somebody else in there that does know about it. I'm I telling you, I think that Robot is lying to Elliot that he, know, he knows what's going on and he's trying to keep it. And I think that he's keeping Tyrell from him still. Ryan, I, I get what you're saying and you might be right, but I don't want Mr. Robot to be a bad guy. I'm sorry, Jason. Well, I... He's actually Christian Slater. <laughs> I totally understand that. And the scene on the subway that's coming up made me think that because he was having this private conversation that Elliot wasn't privy to. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're showing it differently, visually they're portraying this sort of static that you would see on a screen and things yes. jumping back and forth. It's a different kind of breakdown than what we've seen before, which I think is supposed to visually cue us that this is something else. Yeah, it feels more like a fractured personality, or they're fracturing off of yeah, each other. Yeah, and even Robot saying, like, I'm overheating. What is happening here? It's like he's malfunctioning. Yeah, he says um, he says something like, I don't feel... Something's happening with us. I don't feel right. We now, can't do this. here's the kicker, okay? This is the theory being bounced around that I have completely dismissed up until this point. Is Elliot actually a robot? Hmm. Is he an android? What? And he's actually short-circuiting in this moment. We got another one. Either Ooh. listeners are loving this or they're effing us up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not saying I subscribe to it, but when you look at how they're presenting it, it does kind of make sense in this scene. So is this the living, is it embodiment of his creator, his father, inside Elliot's body? Like, uh, token to keep on living forever inside this android body he created AI? Uh, Could be, but I think in that situation, it's not Mr. Robot that created it. He might be in there, but I think this would be part of the larger plan of what they're trying to bring forth into the world. Hmm. 
So this is what they're doing in the Ellie, uh, it's it. The plant. Oh yeah. wow. In the plant they're spitting out robots. Oh, that's funny because the, he says that the destination is him. What if the destination is me? Exactly. Oh. And that's what they're manufacturing there. Holy shit. I don't know what's crazy. <laughs> so I just thought my uh, trippy um parallel universe theory was out there <laughs> well we were digging that last episode uh we talked about it a lot mr that would kind of make sense in the fact that we always say like uh wow why did they call it mr robot yeah the actual show if it has nothing, nothing to, do, to robots. do with robots and it was elliot that named it by the way what's the first thing that comes to mind mr robot so maybe no I was, i'm just extrapolating that and like making a whole storyline like Mr. Robot, or I'm sorry, Christian Slater, the father, <laughs> was so angry with the robot because it was not working right, and he mm-hmm. pushed it out of the... No, they lost their real son, and this was a oh, replacement. Shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Nikes. Because he died early, they had to implant information, so they also had to use some of the father's stuff to put in there. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're this going off on funny. a tangent. This is what's fun. <laughs> okay. Well, coming back to this scene... Elliot tries to shake the whole thing off. He says he wants Cisco's DA contact, and Cisco very reluctantly agrees, but says that if they find out it was him, he'll be next. He's really been pushing this. The DA doesn't mess around, and they will essentially take me out. Then we go back to a scene with White Rose and talking with Price now. So this whole thing kind of goes back and forth. I was a little lost on the conversation. I guess I should be calling him Minister Zhang in the moment, right? Because that's the persona that he's enacting. Yes. So Zhang says that his pet project came through better than he thought. And she did the right thing in the end. Is she Dom? I thought maybe she was Angela. Or Angela. Yeah, it could go either way. Well, Price responds that the failure of the bailout left him in a bad position. He says he can't keep open all the facilities, and the Washington Township plant is in danger of being taken over by the federal government. Zhang says this is taking steps backwards and reminds him of Price's predecessor, which is clearly an unveiled threat about what Mm. happened to the last guy. Price says that he can take a shot at him, but it won't stop the government from taking over the plant. He needed the bailout money. He doesn't have it because of the shootout in China. And he wants cash. He paints this scenario that the Chinese government, in effort to establish themselves as the new world leader, lends E-Corp the money it needs as a gesture of goodwill to the American people, and he could then save the plant. So it all works really well, and plus a peaceful, benevolent China would be an easier pitch to get onto the president's desk. He's really thought this through. And Zhang says he will take it to the Chinese government. Almost seems like... This is a done deal. They should be agreeable. But he'll be in trouble the next time he threatens his plant. The only move left in that scenario is a third world war. You see? I'm a mercenary. I don't play fair. I play what I want. You deal with a mercenary, then all decorum gets tossed out the window. So you go ahead with your cute threats and your watch beeps. Order! Will not protect you anymore, my friend. I will reign chaos. Even if it hurts me. Because I would rather see you lose than win myself. Oh. 
That's all the time I have. But this is really big. Whatever it is that's going on yeah. here, the Washington Township plant is really at the center of it all. What do you guys think is happening there? Well, I think they're they're making robot clone aliens in there. They have to be. I uh well I don't know what's going on in there, but it can't be something just as simple as nuclear. It's got to be more to it. Yeah, there was... I say simple, but... There was the theory on Reddit about the nuclear fusion testing, which we should mention. They think that's responsible for the brownouts, and that if they knocked out the normal energy supply, people would be forced to pay for clean energy. But Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's a road we've seen Mr. Robot going down. This has got to be, I feel, related to technology somehow. I mean, that's related, in a sense. Yeah, I, I guess so. But you really think that's their ultimate goal? I don't know. I mean, the tip-offs there is that uh, Angela goes to the nuclear board or whatever. Right. That's definitely an important play-in because that's how she sees it, though. Right. You know? Uh, I have to say, it's weird that, you know, we know that White Rose is so calculated with everything she does. Mm -hmm. But with her staging all those murders, the shooting in China. Yeah backfired and now she might lose her um plant because of that yeah and this is why she needed price this whole time because he's been maintaining it right and let's not uh graze over the fact that he called angela his pet project yeah if he's indeed talking about angie there which it does seem that he is right that means everything that angela is doing is on purpose. And we've said that when we see these scenes where she thinks she's taking power and control, it's so clear that she's being manipulated behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and that even all of F society could be being manipulated for this greater purpose. We just didn't understand what it was. We knew from the end of season one that White Rose and Price figured into this on a larger level. And even here, we're still not 100% sure of what's going on there. But Price calls himself a mercenary in this scene. He says the next move could be another world war. Yeah. I mean, that's no small statement. And he says, I will reign chaos. I would rather see you lose. (laughs) I'd rather see you lose than win myself. So they're not even as on the same team here as we thought. No. No. Well, we've known that they've been going their own ways since, uh, well, basically since China, since they were there. Yeah. He would return his phone calls. And, well, even before that, Price was saying that Zhang is not doing anything. He's the only one doing anything. He's yeah. the only one actually working towards solving this issue that they have. Yeah, and yet he seems like he's lower on the hierarchy and the power scale of this relationship than White Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But we know well. what White Rose's uh, final, if all else fails, what he or she's going to do. Which is kill him. Take down that, yeah. per- that plane. Another plane crash. But I love the final dig. That's all the time I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was great. I, I wish that it would have, like, he would have fumbled it a little. He's like, hold on, wait a second, bit more, a little bit of a dick. And then he's like, let me find the right setting. And then he beeped his, uh, <laughs> he's got like a Casio watch that he just beeps up. Oh, my time's up. <laughs> now we go over to Elliot and Robot. Elliot's saying, on May 9th, we took down the world's biggest conglomerate. All F society had the same intentions to change the world, but there was another player, the Dark Army, and we didn't know their intentions. And this is just adding fuel to the fire that the Dark Army is a player in this as well. 
He pulls out a phone that's loaded with 103 network monitoring and attack tools. He says it's a dream for hackers and it belongs to Zune. Zune's boss is White Rose, who helped them bring down E-Corp, and they wanted the Femme to sell. He doesn't know why, but he needs to hack Zune now to find out. So this is when they use the Pony Express phone? Yeah, that thing is really cool. I was looking it up. I went to the website. They sell the whole phone as they use it. It helps you, uh, it, they call it, they use it for penetration testing. It has all these different files for you to, or different programs for you to break in or intercept calls on the, through the wireless. It has a DNS spoofing for your Wi-Fi connections and stuff like that. So it can intercept all these different things. Blue Bluetooth also it can intercept. So anything that's coming out of your phone, it's trying to get at any, any signal it sees, and it's just going to intercept their stuff so that you can see whatever you're doing on your phone. So what does it do? It so, acts like a middleman, so it can it goes yeah. through it first. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy that they just sell it openly like this. I would think that something like this would be kind of illegal to just push out there. But the site looks really professional. It looks like they're really tra- doing a business here. They tell you how to build your own Pwn phone, and if you wanted to buy a Pwn phone, it runs on Android, and you basically have to flash your BIOS and install this operating system. And then it comes with all these preloaded programs on there. What's the website? Pony Express, but it's P-W-N-I-E express.com. Their emblem is a pony, and but they're using pwn as like to own someone. Mm-hmm. Leet speak. Okay, question. Ignorance coming through. With all these phone payments getting really popular. The iPhone has a payment with your phone. Google has a payment with your phone. Can a pony get that too? What do you mean? So you know how now you can pay with your iPhone (coughs) with the fingerprint? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe there's some other software that you could load on there. They didn't say anything about there, which I think is wise of them if there is something like Hmm. that on there. Because they basically talk about using it to do attacks and things like that. When you're read the description it says it's to protect your company from device threats and so you can keep up these new different threats that your company could have but really it just seems like they're selling something that could um be used to attack other phones or intercept information yeah that's an ongoing conversation is this show actually instructing people how to hack i think it's much harder than i mean maybe they're getting some basics on it but it's a lot more involved than what they're showing Mm-hmm. Um, is Dexter showing you how to kill people and chop them up? <laughs> I mean, he, it's helped, really. I take my boat out quite often. <laughs> my problems. <laughs> but that's pretty interesting. I, I didn't even know that was out there. And, Ryan, you might be on a list now because you went to that website. But thank you sure. for making the sacrifice. You're welcome. I mean, I'm not even... I wouldn't be worried about being on some list. I... This thing, I, <laughs> I, uh, I looked it up on my phone first, and I'm like, what am I doing? These guys built a phone just to hack into other phones, and I'm going with my phone and clicking on things. <laughs> like, what am I doing? They're, they're going to have everything on my oh, phone right. just for going to this website. That might be their way of getting everyone's phone. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool site, and they do the whole, they incorporate it with Mr. Robot. So they're like, oh, did you see our device on there? And then they tell you, like, how to do it and stuff. It was like an article with the show. Oh, boy. Well, this is the point where Elliot says it's time to meet with Zune, ask him about stage two, and he has a way to get him to talk. 
in this way is that he's only going to meet Mr. Robot, which is kind of scary that he's actually saying that. And this is when Robot says, I feel like we're overheating. Something is happening with us. Don't do this. Don't we, go there. We've never seen Mr. Robot like this. He's always the confident one. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah. he's in the shadows in the, I think that's the kitchen, away from everybody. And he's like leaning on the counter like, I don't, this doesn't feel right. I feel like we're overheating. Yeah, he almost looks sick. Yeah. That's, why, well, that's what led me to think he wasn't faking it because he legitimately looked unwell. Yeah. I mean, I think he could be putting it on there, but, um, I mean, the only other thing I was thinking is that between when Elliot's awake and when Mr. Robot is awake doing his own thing, when Mm -hmm. they were in prison, how much rest did Elliot actually get this whole time? Mm -hmm. So I think he's just burnt out. He hasn't slept, you know, in who knows how long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, some people have also said he could just be off his medication now that he's left the prison and that could be having some side effects. That's true. Have, um, have you ever encountered uh, people with split personalities where they see their other personality? No, I've actually never worked directly with somebody that has multiple personalities. Have you read in, in school about that happening? <laughs> you know, I've, fractured yeah, I've read a little bit about this stuff and nothing about it seems completely out of the realm of possibility except what's happening here. And just because it's so different from the way he's been experiencing mm-hmm. things. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I really, I'm very intrigued to see how that pans out. The thing is, if he's not a robot, if he's a normal human that's going through mental health issues, there's something here that's triggering him. And that's what's causing things to get worse. And until he recognizes what the trigger is and starts dealing with it or avoiding it, it's just going to keep sliding backwards. Mm. And so the only thing that I see changing here is that now Elliot's finally stepping up to assume these roles of power and responsibility. Instead of taking the back seat and allowing Mr. Robot to go to this meeting, he says they're going to meet Mr. Robot, but he goes himself. So is this a new kind of stressor for him that he's not used to taking on as Elliot to integrate that into himself? You know, Mr. Robot says he can't. Like, we shouldn't do this right now. And he's like, I got this. So mm-hmm. if Mr. Robot's not willing to do it, he's, you know, he's got to figure this shit out. So now we go to the next scene. The first one with Angie at the commission office. And we find out this is the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Angie questions the man Jeff there about aren't the levels of toxicity still above regulation? And what's the next course of action? To which Jeff says... It's big, and it falls under a substantial, specific danger to public health and safety. Mm-hmm. So this gives us a first clue about what's happening there, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And he also tells her they will protect her anonymity. There could be money for her for being a whistleblower, which she doesn't want. She just wants this to happen fast. That particular scene, I was like, okay, maybe now we're seeing what she's trying to do, and this might, you know, be good. This is- <laughs> yeah, it does seem like this is what she's after. It was the first smart move in her mind to take steps and go outside to a different agency, um, one that's supposed to be responsible for safety matters like this. Whatever she found under those files clearly led her to understand that these toxicity levels are at play and that these are the people she has to see, the regulatory commission. I mean, she couldn't have known what was going to happen next. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a. Did she? 
when did she she got promoted after she they did the femme to sell right yes so she had the rubber ducky so it, this was all by design by her once she had the rubber ducky she knew that this is something that she could do once she had access to computers like to these people's computers yeah, I don't know if she had specifically planned on the rubber ducky, but she certainly wanted the files and the information that they had there on the Washington Township. So we get a brief break here for an HP commercial about the dangers of Internet and modern technology. That was kind of interesting. HP has been, we've said this before, they've been implanting these commercials that uh, that, that coincide with Mr. Robot. And, you know, the viewers are on edge and they're like, wow, all this can happen? that easily all my shit and then yeah. commercial we can protect you yeah especially with that statistic there 75 percent of apps are open to hacking yeah you know people are sitting there going oh my god Fuck, is that me? all my apps mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great uh you know plan on their part great uh marketing decision mm-hmm. it's genius now we go to the scene with elliot on the subway where he hears this man playing his keyboard all crazy and he walks to the end of the car and sees Mr. Robot talking to Cisco over in the next car. He tries to go through, but the door is locked. He starts banging and yelling. The music gets louder. Everything gets more chaotic. It seems like it's going to spiral out of control. And then finally, it snaps over to Elliot again. He looks like he's coming out of a daze, and he's now standing in front of Cisco, who's asking him what's up. It's like just- every time Elliot is like catatonic, just sitting there staring, that's when there is a separation between Mr. Robot and Elliot. And maybe this always happened in season one, in the beginning of this season, whenever Mr. Robot took over. I guess Elliot is catatonic in the brain, just sitting there staring. Well, right? maybe this is when no, he was drugged out. Mr. Robot. I mean, I mean, his body is. Oh, that's when he was drugged out? He might have been drugged. Like, when we saw him being drugged out in season mm-hmm. one, that could have been why he wasn't caring. Right. Um, but I think that the times that we saw Robot purposely take over, that's when Elliot blacked out totally. Yes. So uh, that's why I say this feels different because he's actually there. He's functioning just sort of like on autopilot in the background, almost like the baseline Elliot is locked away in the brain somewhere. Yeah. In another file back way back in the filing cabinet. And then all of a sudden it comes to this awareness that it's not where it should be, and then it clicks back online. Yeah, and that homeless guy playing the uh, piano, he was, that's like a subconscious trying to wake him up. Yeah, come back. You're not supposed to be doing that right Right. now. That was one of the the many scenes where it's kind of like a horror flick. Yeah. Sam's kind of like like putting that in there. And in mental health, I would say that's a dissociation when he's having this episode where he's functioning on autopilot in real life. This is what happens. People go through these events. They continue to act as somebody, but there's no conscious memory of it. You're not at 100% when it's happening, so you don't really recall it. You go away back into your mind somewhere, Mm. Um, except that. Yeah, something does keep bringing him back and saying you're supposed to be here instead of the brain's normal defense mechanism of you shut off for a reason, so stay gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a little bit bizarre. That's the, uh, is that the second or third time that they kind of, that's the second time yeah. that they separate. Yeah. And now we go to Darlene and Cisco's room where she's watching the typing of the conversation that they've been monitoring on the computer. 
Nancy Grace is on the TV in the background talking about the F Society video, which is when it finally clicks for Darlene. And she starts freaking out and tearing her room apart looking for the tape. Yes. That they forgot. And we talked about it last episode. Uh, Ryan brought it up as well for us as a talking point. What happened to that tape? Yeah, we knew that was going to be a problem. Their wipe down was not that good. No. It seemed like it from the beginning that that was going to be a plot point. Yeah, and now we go to Elliot, and he is going to meet with the DA at this abandoned library. Zune and his men come in, and they ask Cisco why Elliot's there. They're about to leave. He's not supposed to be there. And Elliot yells at them to look at him. And you can tell this look is sort of the robot in this moment, and yet yeah. it's still Elliot standing there. Mm-hmm. And they respond. They stop in their tracks. And he just says, tell White Rose I want to know what stage two is. Why are they leaving? They weren't expecting you. Look at me! Tell White Rose. I want to know what stage two is. When these guys, we've seen them in action. We saw what they did to Cisco. Cisco, And we know that they are no joke. Mm Mm-hmm. And you see him kind of, the head honcho, kind of take a step back physically. Mm -hmm. And all he says is, we got to go. Yeah. We're going to leave. He just leaves it alone. Right. So, again, that shows, like, they know who Elliot is. If it was just some stranger, they would have just probably beat him up Mm -hmm. and beat Cisco up. But they just leave. And then even when he says, look at me, they stop and they look at him. Right. Instead of just walking out and dismissing him. So that that should hold some precedence in your mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another one of those, a lot of answers, or a lot of questions were answered this episode, but a lot of questions were made as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now we go back to Angie at the commission office where we see that this building, at least, is experiencing a brownout. The lights are flickering on and off, and she's been waiting in this sort of empty room for a while now. She sees a camera up in the corner. A woman comes in and introduces herself as Deputy Director Phelps from the Office of Investigations. D.D. Phelps. D.D. Phelps. Perfect. (laughs) And she says that Jeff, the man we saw before, told her about what Angela brought them. And she wants to ask her a few questions. So she starts leading her down a hallway. But very briefly in, both us viewers and Angie start to get a bad feeling about this. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's cameras everywhere. The end of the hallway where this woman is headed is very dark. The lights are flickering there. Another horror movie moment. Very horror movie moment. And then very weirdly, this woman starts to become pushy. Mm-hmm. She's saying strange things. She has this bizarre look on her face. It's like, don't go with the man into the dark garage and walk yeah, into yeah. his van. I mean, it's so clear. And so Angie just says she has to go and she books it out of there. I got to say, especially in the beginning with this woman, I said out loud, she sounds like a robot. And looked like one. Yeah, just very, Ooh. like, through the steps and very matter-of-factly, like, doom to doom to doom like a robot would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is coming up a smiley lot. Face, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, you know? Yeah. It was very ominous we and very We even said awkward. that about Angie before. 
how she can be robotic at times. I mean, we've brought up, and I don't know if that's just because subconsciously this show is called Mr. Robot, or mm-hmm. if we are supposed to be thinking about those themes a lot. But do you think? Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Do you think that uh, Tyrell is a robot, and when Mr. Robot shot him, that's when he found out that he was a robot, and that's why he blacked out on it. Yeah, that's why I won't let Elliot know. It's a fun story. I just, I feel like the listeners are going to hate I, us. No, I think Tyrell is real and I don't think he's dead. I think he's coming back. Mm-hmm. I think he's if, if any, of, yeah, I think if any of this is happening, it's just with Elliot and he's some kind of experiment. Yes. And listeners, you ever see we Breakfast are. Of Champions? No. No. <laughs> it was not a very popular movie, but I think it, it was, I think it's a Philip K. Dick book and he did like iRobot and, uh, okay. Stuff like that about AI. In the book, Bruce Willis is in it, and he comes to realize that he's the only real person there, and everyone is either a like a friend bot or an enemy bot. Mm. Like they're all robots, and they're all like they're either built for love or they're built for hate. Oh, that's and that, cool. And he's the only real one associating with anything. Oh, I've seen that movie. That's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and the humans are really fat because all they do is sit down, right, and and go through these robots. I think you're talking about Wally. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Well, what's interesting, you guys bringing all this stuff up, it is something very popular that's been explored in TV and movies, and it seems like the logical conclusion of a show that talks about cutting-edge technology to at least incorporate the idea of AI in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So where do you think this woman was taking Angie? What did she want with her? Uh, The robot factory. You're close enough, kid. We'll make you into a full-fledged robot That's yet. Right. They're going to change her into a robot. <laughs> you got what it takes. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Do you think Dom was in that room? No. No, uh, I don't think she had anything to do with this. I think Dom knows that she went there. But I think yes. these people are acting of their own accord or at least under somebody else's orders. Yes. That's bigger I, than them. I thought they were from E-Corp. You know, that they were going to cover it up. This is how far their reach is. And that's why when Angie asked Dominic later, Dominic, Dom, you know, are you working for them? I thought she meant, are you working for E-Corp to, you know. I don't think so, because this is the U.S. Nuclear Commission. So somehow government regulated. And that's why Angie asked that, because Dom works for the FBI. Yeah, but the U.S. is an oligarchy. I mean, like, we're controlled by the banks, so... Yeah. If he, if they're the seventy percent majority bank, they're they've got a lot of pull. Agreed, but I think there was something else shady and unconnected happening here. At least unconnected to like what E Corp's trying to do with Angie. Listen, while we're at it, let's throw in some aliens. That woman in the hallway oh. was an alien. <laughs> no, she looked like an alien. I'm sorry. Like no where offense. Your head's at. Just kidding. Sorry. Okay. Well, moving on, we go to Cisco's house where we see there's brownouts happening there too. So it's not just there. This is happening all over the place. Elliot says that the meeting went well, and Darlene tells Cisco in a whisper that she left the tape at the smart house. Cisco says they wiped down the whole place, but Darlene says that she didn't take it. She's sure about it, and they have to go back. Mm. It's been a month. The feds are looking for her, so Cisco says he will go. Now... Why aren't they letting Elliot hear this conversation? Do they? Does she just not want him to know that she messed up and she's going to just take care of it? That's what I chalked it up yeah. as. It's so clear when Cisco says, I'll go instead, that something's going to happen to him. 
I really wish I knew what was happening to him in that scene. It seems really weird, heavy breathing going on. I don't understand it. Super ominous. (laughs) What's really crazy is that I had no idea until she said that, that it's been a whole month. Mm. I thought it was like a couple days, maybe. Yeah. You know, so I was thinking that any moment now, Trent is going to show up and be like, what the fuck is going on? You know, something, but it's Mm -hmm. been a month or three weeks. Well, this has got to make you super nervous about Trent Mobley now, right? Yeah. I mean, her parents have filed a missing persons report. This is scary wherever they've gone. I got a theory, but I'm going to wait. And now it's even weirder, and we'll get there in a minute, but in hindsight, the fact that Dom hadn't gone to Angie until now, if it's been a whole month since she kind of told her, I'm going to come talk to you, and she's been on her case a little bit. But anyway, back to this scene, as Darlene talks to Elliot on the couch after Cisco goes, he flickers back and forth between himself and Mr. Robot. This is the final time. Third time. That that happens here. Now I'm starting to really freak out. Yeah, because it's it's legit. It's not Elliot even watching it in this moment. It's us as viewers just seeing it happen. Yeah. And he says that they'll be watching him, so he should go home, look like he's having a normal life. She agrees. And he's just tired. I'm just tired. Yeah. He's really tired. This scene really fed into my theory of it being Mr. Robot and not Elliot. <laughs> you know, that's the real, actual body. That uh, oh. Mr. Robot was the one that survived and, this, and Elliot died. And then he took his, you know, uh, he had multiple personality disorder with Elliot in his head. I actually thought this was a real Elliot move here because we saw him in season one trying to keep from Darlene that this was happening, that she knows his cycle and his symptoms, and mm-hmm. she wanted, he wanted her to think he was okay. Yeah. Right. And that he could deal with it. Well, now we go to Angie at her house. There's a knock at her door. So all of these fun knocks at the door. This time mm-hmm. it's Dom. She says a neighbor let her in. She's acting weirdly nice and friendly. She Brother comments. sandwich. Yeah, brought her a sandwich, which she just proceeds to eat alone. She comments on the nice place, the fancy E-Corp housing. And she tells Angie about a dream she had where she was a beautiful, sexy woman. But it went downhill fast, and by the end, she was being choked underwater by her partner. That's what it said? I thought it was that there was a, that there was a beautiful, sexy woman in it. No, that she was. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking that was more on the Dom is a lesbian type thing, or is at least into that also. Yeah, that she was, and she says it's weird, you know, like she doesn't see herself that way, I guess. Um, she also says that Ollie Parker told her about the CD at All Safe way back when, so mm-hmm. she knew about it from then. Right away, that pussy just said, spilled the beans, yeah. It was the first thing out of his mouth when they interviewed him two months ago, and she also knew about her trip to the office today, the regulatory commission. Um, she says it's clear that she's freaking out about something and she doesn't know how it all ties together, but eventually she will connect the dots. And if it's the next person that figures it out, they won't be so nice. They'll just throw her into a cell. So she ends it by saying that at the end of her dream, when she finally let go and stopped struggling so much, that's when she survived. And she leaves her business card and she goes. Mm. My question for you is what will Angie do? I don't. I, again, I'm going to say I don't understand. <laughs> I can't 
even come up with any hypotheses. She's so stuck now. If you follow everything she's done for the past couple of episodes, everyone is on to Angie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? She's left proof and evidence and prints and people have seen her and FBI are on. She's like most vulnerable in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's sloppy. I don't know what she even turns to at this point. If she doesn't work with Dom, I think she's really screwed. There's no way out. She's going to have to go to a, like a newspaper or something with this information about the plant, right? I mean, she tried to go to the, the board. That didn't work out. I don't think she's going to try to go back to them again. To go public? Hmm. How, the, how will that Snowden? save her, though? I don't know. Or she's got to go to Red Army. No, she's got... No, no, dark no, Army? Red Army. Yeah, Dark well, Army or... Ryan, you, or said, you said many episodes ago that you think Dom's going to end up being on our side. Right. Mm. This saw, could be the that way that, Darlene, yeah. um, that Dom Gets could end in. up being on our side. If yeah. Angie actually explains to her what's happening and then it's all corrupt and Dom agrees. Right. Yeah, I could see that because we did say that Dom was going to go rogue eventually and try to figure this sure. out on her own. And if Angie gives her the info to do that. And, and she is rogue. She's off the kind of off the case, right? Well, she's not supposed to be pursuing it the way she is, I don't right. think. Um, and the thing is, though, that Dom is kind of low on the totem pole. So even if she does get this information, I don't think anybody's going to listen to her. So maybe they do have to go public at that point. I'm not sure, but. I would love it if Dom becomes one of our mates. Yeah. Our best mates. <laughs> okay. So our last scene really bounces back and forth between three people. First, we see Cisco go back to the smart house where he finds the tape very quickly and he hears a sound. He's clearly startled and we're meant to be nervous. I have no idea what that was about. I don't know what was going on there. I'm thinking uh, Mobley because it sounds like a male voice down there. That's the last place he would go. He wanted to I, book it out I of there. I don't think he went there on his own. I think that he Oh, he's might being held be- there? Yeah, he's might be being held there or something like that or I don't know, maybe dark army. I have a theory. I'll wait until the the next scene. Okay. <laughs> I like where your head's at though, bro. Well, in the next scene, Darlene watches the conversation again on the computer. Uh, Zoon finally gets there, and he talks about meeting Elliot and says that he, Elliot wanted to know what stage two was. And the man says, that doesn't make any sense. Stage two was Elliot's plan. And then they proceed to, he's like, what? He proceeds to reach for that guy's phone. And he's like, what? I made sure it's a clean phone. He goes, he's a master. You have to be extra careful. Right. And then it goes dead. He is a master. And then there's a knock on Darlene's door. Because we haven't done this enough. We need more knocks on doors. Sam loves doors. Um, but I mean, stage the stage two, two is thing Elliot's plan. Blew my mind. Holy yeah. schnitzel! <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, what is it? How could he possibly forget about it? This is just crazy. All right, I got to tell you guys this theory, and then okay. Ryan will get to you. Okay, might be the same. I don't know. This theory was from a Reddit user. Uh, I'm just gonna spell it: Z C H M H S S N eighty nine. This is brilliant. Just for the fun of it, it might not be right, but let's go on this journey. Okay. With Elliot's father dying of cancer, is it possible that 
we are supposed to be viewing stage two beyond its obvious implication as the second phase of a plan and supposed to be viewing it as a metaphor for stage two cancer. Hmm. He breaks it down for us. Stage one, cancer. Localized, it's small and has only spread a little into nearby tissues. It has not spread into any lymph nodes or any other body areas. 5-9 attack, while affecting the banking industry at large, was targeted specifically at E-Corp. Yes, it's terrible that it's happened, but with chemo in the form of the right injection of federal cash, i.e. a bailout, E-Corp, and in turn the economy that supports the crooked system that they are trying to dismantle would recover. If Elliot does have deeper ties in the Dark Army, it would make sense that their interest would result in an incident that would prevent that remedy from being administered. Price mentions how their actions are going to prevent him from getting a bailout. Stage 2, cancer. The cancer is larger and has spread into nearby tissues or lymph nodes. Now that the Dark Army has assured that the cancer wasn't cured in Stage 1, Stage 2 is about, to allow, is about allowing it to spread beyond E-Corp. If the symbolism is correct, then Stage 2 is about attacking the lymph nodes, i.e. attacking the immune defense and crippling the system. I think this can already be seen in the strain on the grid that is happening with all the brownouts. Their cancer can spread into the infrastructure, and once it burrows into that, it will be hard to excise. To make sure that it can't be targeted and removed, more stress has to be put on the body to hamper any sort of immune response, i.e. targeting action by the government. I think that additional stress would come in form of the Washington Township and a disaster that will hit by the end of the season, with Angela going into nuclear regulatory committee. You just said nuclear. Nuclear regulatory committee about it. Maybe there will be some serious fallout from the eventual disaster, inhibiting the government from providing an adequate response to what is happening to the infrastructure and by diverting its attention, preventing it from stopping the cancer before it moves to stage three with the beginning of season three. And then he goes on. I don't want to keep reading. He goes on to a stage three and a stage four. Yeah, I couldn't even follow wow. everything you just said. That was like, Are there five stages of cancer? <laughs> I actually just thought you were going to say that Elliot himself has cancer, and that's what <laughs> accounts for everything that he's been going through lately. Well, he Which... does say, uh, sorry, I got too hyperbolic and really tried to hammer in the metaphor. Obviously, I don't think it will follow that so strictly, but I do think that symbolism works when looking at stage two as both a phase in a plan and a stage of cancer. Is that reading too much into it? That is exactly the same theory that I had. <laughs> is it really? No. I, I don't. No, that one is very uh, eloquent. I really like that. It is eloquent, but there. it still doesn't explain to me completely why they're doing it or what their goal is. Right. You know, this is just how you take down a system. Well, he's saying this is beyond its obvious implication. So kind of like a metaphor behind, under... Right, yeah, but we still don't really know what the goal is of stage one, stage two. Like, what are they hoping to get to at some point? Well, the goal would be the cancer completely diminishes the body, meaning the 1% of the 1%, the structure. Right, I got that. Okay. But then what is what I'm saying? Like, what what do they hope... What's the goal? To kill everything? Why are they taking everything down? Right. Well, we've all, we've been saying that since season exactly. one. Exactly. Then what? You let the dogs go. Then what? They don't know how to survive. They've been in a cage. Yeah, and I think that's actually what stage two is because Elliot kept talking about all the chaos that happened with 
the first phase of their operation and how he was wondering if they could do it and, you know, what have they done mm-hmm. type of thing. So I have to think that he did have a plan for what comes next. Well, if you recall, and I'm sorry to cut you off, when they did maybe three or four episodes ago, they did a flashback of when he was with his sister mm-hmm. and they started to come up with this plan out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he says... But then after that, we have to follow through, and we mm-hmm. have to make sure this, this, and this. I, fr- I don't have to right. quote. That's going to be the hard. Is that follow through stage two? That okay, he's, he's right. Speaking of. Well, so then, yeah. So then, theoretically, stage three would be what comes next. Um, but you would have thought that he would have thought it through to that point and have an idea of what he'd like to see he in the or new or some part of he right yes. world order. But that kind of shows that maybe stage two is Elliot's idea. I mean, we know it's Elliot's idea at this point. Mm-hmm. But well, it's not as far-fetched. I Elliot mean, or someone inside of Elliot's brain. Right. So that's, I mean, th- that goes into my theory, which is that it's Mr. Robot. And stage just killing off the other members of F Society. Because right before that conversation you know, that's his plan. That's that's his plan. That doesn't make sense. They asked, did he ask about the girl and the guy? Did he ask about Mobley and Trenton is what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says, no, he didn't. And then he says, uh, like, he wants to know about stage two. And he's like, but that's his plan. I was just thinking that stage two is just taking out, like, the loose ends, the people that you don't know if you can trust or not. So that means that they got to Trenton... Mobley and Mobley, and killed Romero. I say, that makes sense, Ryan, but I think it's deeper than that. He's not going to do a whole season called se- about season two and have it just be take out. Well, this is just se- season two. There's just, this is stage two. Right. Right, but sta- stage two thing. is the culmination of all of season two. I think that's going to be, you know... Uh, can we get anything out of this next quote from Elliot? Because sure. I thought that it was probably something important, but I couldn't entirely follow it through. He says, it began as a failure, my existence. For me, there's no such thing as normalcy. My dead dad appears and disappears. I talk to you, an imaginary friend. I would ask you if you're normal, but you never answer back. This is really hammering home the point of who we are, and I think it's... It's going to become really critical in this next phase of whatever's happening with Elliot mentally. So I'm not sure it began as a failure in my existence. I mean, it's, it's very strange wording happening here. I, yeah, I don't know. And there's no such thing as normalcy. Like, I can never be normal. It's just not possible. That's what he's saying? Yeah. yeah. Even the init five, like the world is supposed to be bright and colorful, and yet for me it's always gray. Like inherently he's different mm-hmm. than everyone else. I think that's Esmail giving us answers. We just can't see enough mm-hmm. yet to know what it means, and that's really intriguing. I want to meet Esmail. Do you think, like if he was here talking to us, would he be bored by us? Be like, you guys are idiots? Um, or would he be like, I, don't I know. love I this. Think he'd be a really cool, I think he'd be a really cool guy. He would be yeah. cool. I think he'd love I it. I think he'd have fun with it. Maybe. I think he'd be a lot smarter than us, though. Of course. <laughs> Sam, we love you. If you're listening, shout at us. Contact at coffeeclasscrew.com. Well, he's listening because in the last podcast, <laughs> I was like, oh, another knock at the door. One of these days, it will be Tyrell. <laughs> and yet, this episode, we have like five million knocks at the door, and none of them are Tyrell. And in this last scene, when you finally think... 
here's Tyrell. We're going to figure it out. You know, Elliot's walking down the street and he says, what do I do? How can I be normal when the SUV belonging to a man I murdered is parked outside my apartment? He walks up and yet when the window rolls down, it's Joanna inside. So still no Tyrell. And she says, hello, Ollie. Which, of course, is a throwback to episode 1.90 day when Elliot meets Joanna outside her house and introduces himself as Ollie. Mm. But she knows that he's connected to Tyrell at that point, right? Or is he looking for him? I forget. He was looking for him. She was also looking for him. And she right. seemed like she knew him already before that point. Because she threatens him in Dutch or where. Yeah. Swedish. She says, if you hurt him, I'll kill you. Yeah. Right. And how did she know he was out? So there's something about her we don't know yet. And that's very intriguing. Yeah, like she was waiting there for him. I'm interesting. Maybe right? that maybe she's the one that got him out and not, um, and yeah, not right pe- off the Dark Army. People have said that, that where Elliot said it doesn't make any sense what Darlene was talking about with the Dark Army because they got him out early. Um, it definitely would if it was her instead. I don't know how she well, would. Well, there's the whole Leon thing, so that kind of disproves that. I just thought about that. Mm. You know, if Le- Leon's there to like protect Elliot, and he tells him to follow the instructions. So, and speaking of doors in Game of Thrones, they're like, "Hold the door." In mm-hmm. Sam's, they're like, "Doors knocking, open it, but don't tell us who's in there." Yeah. <laughs> And it seems like maybe they'd all be better off if they just didn't open the damn door because it's never good news. Hold the door closed. We have a lot of surprises to figure out uh, coming up. Absolutely. Who all those people were. Okay, you want to get into our robot rating? Do it. Just as a refresher, IMDB gave this episode a 9.2. I'm going to give it a 9.5. So I'm right in between last episode I gave a 9.6, the one before a 9.4. I absolutely loved both of them. Mm-hmm. I felt a little jarred again in this episode, a little thrown back and forth, but I loved the horror movie feel. I loved the pacing. I loved the questions that it brought up. Yes. I'm going with a 9.3. I'm just, I'm in the nines. I'm just going up and down because I can't, I just feel weird. I keep wanting, I just want to say 9.9, 9.9, 9.9. Just be a boring <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But 9.3, I loved it. Uh, it, there's nothing lacking. This show is great. The only thing I wish it wasn't on so late because I'm getting old and it's <laughs> midweek and it's a work night. <laughs> That's the only thing I have to get up in the morning. Well, there's times where the episode does get overwhelming. There were parts of this that was like that, but the suspenseful moments mm-hmm. made it all worth it because it was very exciting. We finally see who knocked on Elliot's door at the end of season one. Yes, one answer. Yes, that yeah, that's a big answer for us. I mean, uh, it was gr- there's a lot more answers coming out now. Yes. I don't know. It's just that the progression of the, the that first story arc with uh, the fake prison. I feel like it. I mean, I did. I just don't know. I feel like it didn't leave a great taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, uh, like it gave great ratings to all the individual episodes, but then if I had to rate this season on a whole, I feel like it would be much lower than my cumulative score. Do you feel like it was deception for deception's sake? I think so. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I mean, it didn't really... I mean, obviously, it didn't progress the plot forward so much. They spent a lot more time on it. If they would have cut it down to, like, three or four episodes, three episodes, 
Yeah, even Ray's you know? story wound up being kind of a, a sidebar, and it was very right. cool and interesting, but that's why I said I wondered if you felt the extraneous extra time at the reveal of the prison, the beginning of this episode, was kind of not needed. No, I actually really enjoyed that, uh, but uh, I just thought the actual deception went on too long. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, would, I would have been fine with that at any point, you know? It could have been explained so much earlier than this. I have to disagree respectfully, Ryan. But you don't have to respect me. <laughs> I think there's a few things. When it's a, a show like this and now we're like ready to be deceived and we have read it and we have uh, countless hours of our podcast, right. we're going to find some shit out because we're ready for it. Yeah. He's saying, here's the fastball now and we know how fast it's going to be and where it's going to be located. I think it's not deception for deception's sake. It was a deception that we got a hold of because we understood Elliot. But there's 30 other deceptions that we don't know and that bit us in the ass already. And uh, let's be honest, this show, it keeps us on our toes the whole time. And I didn't think, I think Ray's story, Chris, Mm -hmm. I think that was great. No, I definitely think it was great. I think it doesn't feed into the overall plot line, but I I was going to follow that up by saying I like your take on it from last episode, which is that the entire prison deception was meant to distract us from the other things that are happening Yes. and this overall picture so that we don't figure out what his big reveal is going to be eventually. So if that's the purpose that it serves, we find at the end of episode two, I love it. Exactly. And and, uh, the whole Ray story, just to button that up, I think... It was so intriguing because Ray breaks him down physically and emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. Beats the shit out of him, but also builds him up in the end. Yeah. And says, I needed you as much as you needed me. You're this, you're that. And like he I, he was kind of like the last person to believe in him in this kind of world. And I think that's going to resonate longer than you believe yeah well i I think it was the entirety of the prison experience for him i think that's what it is i don't pinpoint it just to ray i think that he found something there that was actually beneficial to him and the Mm -hmm. moment he's out of prison he's already backsliding mentally so that structure that he self-imposed was not really to keep robot at bay necessarily but to keep him mentally healthy and he's not anymore something happened something's broken but that's not Ray. That's as soon as he left the prison. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. It wasn't just Ray. It was the whole prison experience that was healthy and, and helped to structure him and bring him back to that. Yes. And as soon as he's gotten out, he's gone backwards. It's just fucked up. And to yeah. just finish my rating, as New York Times stated, the malevolent beauty of Mr. Robot season two is such that knowing and not knowing are equally unpleasant options. <laughs> mm-hmm. How beautiful is that? I like that. Ryan, what do you give episode nine? I see, I, you know, I like the episode a lot, but I don't know. Just my feeling over the whole season is not as strong. I enjoyed this episode compared with the other ones, although I don't, I don't know. This is pretty high up there. I still think the 90s one is my favorite just for the feeling it left me with. Yes. Afterwards. But I mean, they left a lot of cliffhangers at the end of this episode. So obviously I wanted more information mm-hmm. after the episode ended. So, uh, probably uh, 9.3 Yoshimitsus, uh, <laughs> I would give this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The only reason I give him that is because he had a move called the Door Knocker. Okay, nice. In, in Tekken and Soul Calibur. So. 
Well, we got a preview for episode 10, Hidden Process. Joanna tries to seduce Elliot, it seems. Mr. Robot tells Elliot the job isn't finished yet, and Dom says they have fresh evidence on the guy. Let her go get them. I think Dom is going to become more and more prevalent in as this season progresses, or mm-hmm. it comes to an end, actually. Speaking of come to an end, Clatcher's comments. Yay! Our favorite part. We're we ending get... that segment? That's coming to an end? Is that what you're saying? I don't want to do that. No, no, that's <laughs> not coming to an end, but you know the podcast is coming to an end when the best part is up. Yeah, there's Clatcher's a lot comments. to review this episode, though. Yes. We got quite a few comments. Shout out to Air Force Chef and T.S. Scott123 for kicking ass and giving our Mr. Robot channel some great reviews. Those words mean so much to us when you when you give us reviews. It makes us feel good, makes us feel confident, and makes us excited for the next episode. If you guys want to give us any reviews or just give us star ratings, it takes two seconds. You can go to our Coffee Clats Crew channel on iTunes. You click the stars and just write, you guys rock or you guys suck, whatever you want. <laughs> We appreciate it all. As long as it's five stars, you can write whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of channels, our main channel is coffeeclatchcrew.com. That's Clatch with a K. If you look at that on iTunes and you follow us on there and subscribe, you'll never miss a beat, even when we move on to new shows. And that way you stick with us forever. Yeah, just remember CKC. That's our nickname. CKC, Coffee Clatch Crew. I'd like to shout out to Reg Reader, Amy, Michelle, John Smith, Aziz, Jay from the UK, Rachel from Wales, UK, and Stan at Lazy Ace One. All of which gave us comments on the boyfriends, quote unquote. So Angie having actually met the FBI agent in season two, which we missed. Episode eight is not the first time we see him. And the guy that Dom was interviewing was the one that had been with Darlene in season one, the one who she stole the gun from his place. So everybody that pointed out those things that we missed, thank you very much. I know that some of you each had your own spin on it, which I'll go through in a minute. Thank you to Douglas, who wrote in to us about the Cali in Cali Linux. So funny that Jason was making a joke a couple of episodes ago about the Cali possibly being GOT Khaleesi. But (laughs) Doug actually gave us some really legitimate good information about where that comes from. It's a Hindu goddess, and the name Cali is derived from the Sanskrit Kala, or time. So she therefore represents time, change, power, creation, preservation, and destruction. Shit. So I thought that was a really awesome tie-in to everything we've been talking about so far. Thank you to Vicky, who also gave us the name of the banker, Xander Jones, who's played by actor Nick Mills. Um, And in addition, she told us about micro-stamping. So we were questioning exactly how they got to this guy's gun from the bullet casing. Mm Mm-hmm. Microstamping is a ballistics ID technology. Microscopic markers are engraved onto the tip of the firing pin and onto the breech face of a firearm with a laser. So when the gun is fired, the etchings are transferred to the primer by the firing pin to the cartridge case head using the pressure created when a round is fired. Um, Thus, after being fired, if the cases are recovered by the police, those microscopic markings are on the cartridges and can tie them back to the gun itself and its last registered owner. It's like a fingerprint for a gun. So that's pretty amazing. 
That is amazing. Thank you for that. Also, thank you to Sunny Mick and Joel from Grand Rapids for further going into the boyfriend stuff. And we'll also talk about Joel in a minute. And lastly, to Sahajesh. He had two really interesting things to put out there. First was he asked us how we chose our name for Coffee Clatch Crew. That's something we've actually never been asked before. Yeah. And kind of strange that we never went over it on any of our podcasts, going back years and years. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> That's I was just so too funny. embarrassed to ask. You know? <laughs> so we actually talked about this when Jason and I first sat around and we were trying to think of what we should name the podcast. And this goes back to why we initially started doing this, mm-hmm. which was just that we always had this group of friends that we really enjoyed bringing into our home having a good meal, having some good drinks together, and engaging in any kind of conversation, anything that was real, anything meaningful, where we could really dive into it with them, whether it was over big topics, religion, politics, what's happening in the world today, or Dreams. dreams, our favorite TV shows and movies and what we liked about them. And over time, we felt ourselves sort of drifting away from that, not staying in touch with them as much. And I think we use the podcast as a way to bring them back in and start those conversations back up again. And so trying to think of an adequate name for that, if those of you aren't familiar, I guess it's not popular anymore. Coffee Klatsch is an old term. It's a German phrase that was actually Cafe Klatsch, and it's spelt with a K. And it means a casual social gathering for coffee and conversation. And And we just uh, substituted coffee for alcohol. Yeah, so we put coffee in quotations. Yes, we did. That's right. In the <laughs> but, beginning. you know, basically that's what it all means. We are the Coffee Clatch crew. And it's on our CKC channel. If you go to Coffee Clatch crew on iTunes, you'll you go back, you can hear um, the they're titled. So right now Mr. R are the podcast channels or the podcast episodes now. Mm-hmm. If you see CKC and then number like number two, number three, all the way up to like 100 or something. Those are when we're with our friends and we're yeah. just talking about news. We're talking about what dreams mean. We're talking about uh, growing up in the Air Force gay with our friend. Great podcast. Indoor Great farming. conversations. And you can hear us as the podcast goes longer. That we get more and more drunk. And it's really fun to listen to. So go yeah, back and listen d- to those. We didn't those. know where to cut them off back then. Some of them are like close to three hours. But yeah, so <laughs> we would actually like to get back into periodically, maybe once a month, putting out some of those CKC podcasts. And if we eventually move into the realm of having some type of financial support from our listeners, uh, we would be able to put out some more podcasts instead of just having to do TV reviews on one show you once know, a week. Yeah. Once a week. Perhaps that could open up more. We could, in addition, keep putting out the CKC stuff. We've toyed with the idea of um, book clubs. And so we would love to expand upon that in the future. For now, go back and take a look at our older episodes if you're intrigued. So thank you very much for asking us that. And the second point was really terrific. Um, it was the 5.9 a reference to 5.9's system availability, i.e. 99.999%. I love so that. I didn't totally know what this meant. So the first thought that jumped into my head was 99.999 represents the majority of the population. So was that a 5-9 take on this is what all of us experience um, as opposed to the top 1% of the top 1% that Elliot talks about? We are the majority. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But then when I looked into the actual term, it was really incredible. Uh, the spoken term, five nine, if you count the nines in that percentage, there are five nines there. And it's commonly taken to mean 99.999%, which may refer to high availability of services. So in computers, it is a desired percentage. It shows you that availability that it provides. But also interestingly enough, in electricity that is delivered without interruptions, such as brownout surges or blackouts, it also shows the reliability. Hmm. Yeah. So that's particularly poignant for this episode. Yeah, I'd say so. so. Did- did uh, Dark Army or White Rose maneuver the time frame that um, the hack was supposed to happen? Did they not? Or more likely the availability somehow, the system? No, I'm saying did they make it on that day for that purpose? Oh, to actually occur on 5.9. Right. Doesn't that go back to Darlene's staging? No, I think White Rose, didn't he put the clock on Elliot? Oh, that's true. He did do that. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't even talk about the clock issue, and I completely just forgot oh, about that's it. Right. The broken clock in Elliot's mom's room reading 11.15. That's right. Oh, which so much. Which I feel like has to mean something. It's got And it. I'm sure we're not even catching all of the clocks in time references throughout, but I just thought She's about it. She's the anti-white rose. What time care. was it when they went in the clock room? 11. With white Close rose. to midnight. 11.50. 11.50. What does 11 mean? I don't know. I think on hers it was like 11.15. It was. On the moms? Yeah. Which I thought could just be a time that something traumatic had happened to them in their family. And so she's just sort of stuck at that time forever. 1115 means something in computer terms. We got to look into that for next episode, perhaps. (laughs) Well, if you guys know, please let us know. Yeah, any thoughts about that, please write in. I mean, these were really great feedback this week. I loved all of it. Keep it coming. We're not done yet. Joel. Oh, that's right. Tell I love me about Clatcher's Joel. comments. Clatcher's comments is <laughs> shit. Do you guys think that maybe Joanna was the one who got Elliot out of jail early? How else oh, would she know to be waiting for him at his apartment? Yeah. Does, does this confirm that she is Dark Army, like many have suggested? Or does this mean she's the leader of a different, very powerful group that, with influence that rivals the Dark Army? Curious to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great podcast. We talked about that a little bit, or she just, you know, we've seen her with these paid-for people that she has working for her, keeping tabs on everybody. So I think it's entirely possible that they've just been getting information for her Mm -hmm. um, because she needs to know where Tyrell is, and she knows that Elliot could be the only one that has that info. She's been keeping very close tabs and waiting to see when he gets out so that she can harass him for that. Yeah. I don't think she, that necessarily means she belongs to any of these groups that we've seen. But right. I think there's something about Joanna that we do not know yet. And I'm oh, very yeah. curious. And oh, I, think yeah. I remember something. reading one Redditor was saying that, um, I like this, this theory, but uh, I read it a while ago and I never brought it up. But that she, I mean, I think I brought up that we thought she might be royalty. Mm-hmm. But it was yep. more like the structure between her and Tyrell that she married beneath him to get Tyrell because she loved him and he's constantly working this hard to prove himself into her royal family mm-hmm. in a sense. So that's what they're kind of working towards. And that's the reason she has bodyguards and stuff like that is because she's royalty. 
Whoa. Yeah, except that where are they now? And like the guy was telling her a couple episodes ago that they didn't have the money to do the things they needed to do, and that shouldn't just be contingent on Tyrell's money. If she right. has a family that's wealthy, they should be helping her in this yeah. circumstance. She's alone there with the baby. Maybe they're more of a name in royalty than an actual wealth. Yeah, could be. Like they're all deceased, but she still has that. Right. I don't know. I think she's very difficult to pinpoint, but I hope we find out more about her by the end of season two because that's been an ongoing mystery. Yes. And I don't feel like we've quite gotten enough from her yet. Not at all. No. Last segment, Clatcher's questions. We have three questions for you guys and gals. <laughs> Knowing what you know, would you work for E Corp if you were offered 250000 a year or more, plus that apartment for free? Do they have to kill my parents? <laughs> part of it, or no? Just would you would you work? Would you for work them? for a company Only like that? Only one of them, then. No, I don't want any of that. <laughs> so let us know by emailing us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew Question number two: Who do you think the man Cisco found crying and breathing heavy in Susan's house was? If that's what was even going on. I just heard sort of a loud noise. Maybe it was sex. I heard like panting. Yeah, maybe it's Trenton and Mobley just they've been <laughs> going to hiding out. Oh my God, that'd be <laughs> so awesome. I, mean, I the, love dating, it. Uh, flirting. I love that. <laughs> and the last one, who is at Dom's door? Who is at any of the doors for that matter? Who is at Darlene's door? Right. <laughs> she got any knock on the door answers. Again, you Not can email times. us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. Follow us on Facebook, coffeeclatchcrew.com. Twitter, at CKC Podcast. And Instagram, at CKC Podcast. Lastly, if you guys were interested, Hacking Robot is back next week. It's been off, and uh, Verge has been doing their online uh, after show. Mm-hmm. Verge isn't doing it next week, and Hacking Robot will be on immediately after the show. We'll see if that uh, that dude gets any less dorky. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should edit that out, but I'm just going to leave it out there. I haven't watched it yet. We'll see you for our next week's episode 10 review on Hidden Process. Till next week, this round's on me. This round is on me! Me a favor, say a sentence. Say a sentence. A sentence. A sentence. Oh, a sentence. <laughs>